Um, well, I'm glad for be here today because well, it's Sabbath, and we are well, well, we are we are with God, and it's a great a great reason for be here. So I'm happy for stay here. Um, this special is for the glory for, of God. So yes, um, the name of this song is Ten Thousand Reasons. So I hope you like this song. And the first of all, I want God likes this song. So yes. bless the Lord of my soul. Oh, my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship your holy Well, it's been a while. Um, I wasn't here the first week. Uh, we had a little schedule change, and you had a, and you're all able to stay warm this week. I'm thankful to be here and in, in this warm building where we can sermon for today. 
Kind Father in heaven, Lord, just now we're praying once again. We're depending on you for your presence. We're here to worship you, and we want to be drawn closer to you in some meaningful way. We pray for forgiveness, Lord, of the things that we have uh, said and done this week that were not in harmony with your will. And Lord, we just want to, we just pray for eyes to see and ears to hear this morning. I pray for that the words, Lord, that are spoken today, that they would come directly from your throne and that, Lord, um, you would help us to be more like you. We thank you and we pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the sermon is Only Believe. It's, it's the Christian mantra. It's something that we have heard our entire lives. And um, depending on what branch of Christianity you're, you're dealing with or you're a part of, it, it can mean different things to different people. Um, I, I've interacted with uh, multiple different churches in my life. My parents, as I've said, you just kind of hopped around church hop. So I heard a lot of different things growing up. And um, so for some folks, it was, you know, the, the belief was just this mere mental assent, you know, that I, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I, and they went to the altar when they were 10 years old and they got baptized shortly thereafter, after, you know, some revival series or revival meeting. And, and that was about the extent of their belief. You know, they, they believed, they were baptized, um, and that was kind of the extent of it. There was no ongoing um, relationship, I'll say. It was, I've been saved. I, I've already experienced uh, salvation. And um, it means different things. This idea of just believe means different things to different people. And I want to go through a story today. I want to go through this most famous text that you all quoted from memory, the most famous Bible text that you see on billboards all over, all over the country. Um, and Jesus states in this text that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And I want to break down a little bit further in our minds what it means to believe. We'll look at the Greek understanding of this word, but first we'll get some background and we'll enter the story at the beginning of John chapter 3. And we're going to find this story of this man who is a Pharisee. He's a, a religious leader in the community and we find that he comes to Jesus by night because Jesus isn't popular among the religious leaders. He's kind of doing this under the cover of darkness. And he doesn't want to be seen by anyone that he's going to visit with this young rabbi who is kind of, uh, you know, upsetting their apple cart, I'll say. And so he's coming to Jesus. And let's begin in chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read a good part of John chapter 3. We're just going to work our way through this chapter. So John chapter 3, I'll begin in verse 1. And the Bible says, there was a man of the Pharisees. I still hear a few pages turning. <clears throat> there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. 
Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, great emphasis here, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's a great emphasis on that point. Uh, some, some of your versions might say, truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto you. Most assuredly is what my translation is saying. You must be born again. There's this great emphasis. It's a critical part. The entire gospel hinges on this new birth experience that we read about in the New Testament. It's a new birth experience. You must be born again. And Nicodemus, his answer, kind of his response, I'll say, Nicodemus said to him, verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus was not unfamiliar with this idea, but he does kind of deflect in a way. The Jews were very, they understood what this meant because they considered whenever a person came to be, uh, when they converted to Judaism, they called it a new birth. They called them, referred to them as children, okay, who were just coming into the flock. That's why when you read in the Bible, when you read uh, Paul, uh, especially the, the, uh, the Apostle John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he refers to his flock as my little children. These are people that he's ministering to. Um, so Nicodemus understands this concept, but he didn't like that he's involved in that conversation. He doesn't realize, he thinks, be it based on his lineage alone, that he's safe. He's a religious leader. He's a Pharisee. He's a very well-respected person in the community. He is Jewish by descent, right? By his, by his lineage, he's, he's already safe. But Jesus is inferring you have to be born again. And so he says, he kind of skirts that a little bit. He says, well, wait a second, how, how can that actually be? He's, he's fleshing it out a little bit more. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, once again, he says that, puts a heavily, heavy emphasis on this. Unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus didn't need more theology in his life. He didn't need more knowledge in his life. He needed a rebirth experience. He needed a spiritual regeneration. And he was, internally, he realized that because that's why he's coming to Jesus. He understands there's something different about this man. So he's coming to him for that reason. You need to have uh, a new heart, a new life from above before you can appreciate heavenly things is what Jesus is saying. In order to see or experience or understand what I'm talking about, you must experience this new birth experience first. And so that's why what he's fleshing out in this, in this conversation. He uses this comparison of the wind blowing through the trees you see, we can't see the wind itself, but we can see the effects of the wind on the tree branches. 
We can see the effects of the wind on the leaves. Or if it's tall grass in a field, you can see it blowing in the wind in the summertime. We can't see the wind itself, but we see what it's doing. And the same is true of somebody who is experiencing this new birth experience. He says, so it is with the Spirit when he's talking about the wind. So is everyone who is born. You can't tell where it comes from, where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. We cannot see the Holy Spirit himself, but we see the effects of what the Holy Spirit is doing in a person's life based on their behavior, based on what they're doing. So they reflect what they believe or they reflect what they're experiencing in their life in how they respond. The difference between the wind and the Holy Spirit is a human. The the trees don't have any will of their own. They just blow with the trees. They just blow with whatever the wind, however the wind is blowing them. Human beings have the opportunity to either respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in their life or not. We can stand straight as a board if the Holy Spirit is convicting us if we don't respond to that conviction. So there's a difference. But when you see that transformational act happening in a person's life, you can know that the Spirit of God is working in them. And we'll get into a little bit more what that transformation looks like as we go through this passage. We've talked about it many times. I have emphasized the gospel throughout my entire uh, first year, year and a half here. And I told you at the beginning, last, the end of last year, um, we are going to take more of a prophetic look at things this year. But I just, when I pray and I'm asking the Lord, what do you want me to preach about? He often brings me back to the gospel in some way, shape, or form. Because I think that we just need more and more of it because I think for a long time maybe we haven't understood it the right way. And so, Jesus is always, this is our mission, actually, when you look at Revelation 14. We're to preach the everlasting gospel to all the world. It's an everlasting gospel. It always has been. And it's based on what God is doing in a human life, not based on our own merit. It's based on what Christ is doing. It's based on what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's based on what He has already done for us and is doing in our lives, not based on human merit. It's a free gift, the Bible tells us. And so He keeps bringing me back to this point. Jesus uses this comparison. He goes on. I'm going to skip down a few verses here. He gives us something very important when we get down to verse 14. He uses another thing that that Nicodemus is very familiar with, this believing, this accepting, this understanding. He says, And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Do you remember the story of the bronze serpent? Do you remember that in, in the book of in, when Israel was wandering in the wilderness? And you remember what happened? They came to a certain point where they were being bit by these fiery serpents, the Bible called them. And Moses cried out to the Lord, How, what are we supposed to do about this? And so God said, make a bronze serpent, fashion it as if it is on a pole 
which is representative of a defeated snake. When you, you kill a snake and you're holding it up, it's just kind of draped over the pole. It's a defeated serpent. It's a defeated snake. And so he said, put it up in the camp where everybody can see it, this bronze snake. And whoever gets bit by a snake, they can just look and live. They'll be healed if they look. But there was an action involved that they had to, actually, if they were bit by the snake, they had to look to the defeated, to the the snake hung on a pole. And that, of course, was just pointing them forward to a Savior. Jesus likened himself to that. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whenever we are dealing with, I'll get to this in a minute, we're, we're looking to Jesus in our own lives for salvation. The reference to the bronze serpent, you recall, um, as God told him to do this, Whoever is bitten by one of these snakes, the remedy is to just look at the pole and be saved. And all those who did what God said to do, who acted in faith, were healed when they did that. That's what the Bible says. And all those who didn't, who said, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't see how that's going to help me. I'm going to trust the science. Those people perished. So we either accept and trust and believe in what God is offering to us, and we respond or not. That, that is the two opposing things that we read in 15, 16, and 17. Those who believe have eternal life. Those who don't respond and don't accept the free gift, they perish, just like the people in the wilderness. Let's keep reading. 15, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, doesn't have to perish, but can have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. The world was already lost. Jesus came to provide a remedy for our lost condition. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it, he said. Many people have this wrong idea that God is waiting to just strike them down, waiting for them to fail, when he's the one who's wait, He's trying and doing all that he can to save them. If anybody's waiting for you to fail, waiting for you to sin, it's Satan, because he knows that sin, he's tempting you to do so, and sin is the one thing he can do to pull you away from God. So he is eagerly waiting for you to do that. But you see what he does is he projects onto God his own character attributes, and so many people have those ideas. We see it in human beings all the time. We project onto others what we ourselves are guilty of. It's a psychological problem that we have in this sin-sick world. Only believe, he said. Verse 16, whoever believes in him. Verse 15 and 16 highlight the same idea. Only believe. This idea to believe, and the the Greek word in this context is pisteo. It's a verb. It's, it's an action word. It's 
Just like God, the Bible just said that God so loved that he gave. For God, love is an action word. Something that he does. It's something that he expresses. He can't help but do it. It's, 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 a, it's an action word. The same is for faith, according to Jesus. In the Greek, faith, or this believing, is an action word. Greek, it's, it's an interesting, it's a complex language, but it has different forms. And whether the word, if, if it's a future tense, it will, you will, you'll be able to know by how the word, the ending of the word. If it's in a past tense, and an errorist tense, you'll know by the ending of the word. And in this case, it's very, much, it's very similar to Spanish and how it operates, actually. Um, in this case, it is in a present active indicative. It's in an ongoing action, this ongoing act of believing. And to believe is just this it, it, you're trusting in God. You're trusting in Him. And so when he says to believe in Jesus, it's this ongoing trust relationship. It's, uh, it's in this present active indicative, it goes on forever. It's infinite. You're just ongoing. You're depending on Him. You're, you're, you're giving your life to Him. You're trusting Him with your life. You're trusting Him with your salvation in this case. That's what faith is, this belief, this idea of belief and faith. Faith is depending on God only. This belief in this case is this ongoing trusting relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a once mere mental assent that I believe that God exists because it's an action word. And so it you can't help but there's... There is action involved. If I believe that God exists, I'm going to act differently than if I didn't believe he existed. We see that in the world all the time. People who don't believe in God, hey, I'll do whatever I need to do to get ahead, whether I'm cutting down the, the, God, the CEO in front of me or whether whatever I'm doing, I don't care because I don't believe that there's any real consequences for what's going to happen to, for, what, for what I'm doing. I actually think the consequences is going to be good for me. It's going to help me get ahead. But if I believe in Jesus, if I believe in this God who has a moral code, then I'm going to respond differently, right? Because he has conduct, he has a code of conduct. And if I've experienced Jesus in my life, and if I've experienced his spirit, and if I've experienced this transformational act that he wants to do, the Bible calls it a new birth, and he also highlights it as he's giving us a new heart, a new mind. He wants us to be in harmony with him once again, and he wants to live in us. Um, he doesn't want us to have to just, uh, how do I want to say this? He wants to live in us and through us so that it's just this natural congruent relationship in which we just, like David in Psalm chapter 40, where he says, I delight. He wants us to have a delight to do his will again. He's bringing us back into harmony with himself. And he says, Jesus said in this thing twice, it is imperative that you experience this new birth, that you actually want to do what God wants you to do, that you actually want to be in harmony with him. It is a transformational act. And it's an ongoing, uh, 
present, active, it is an active relationship, an active dependence on him. The Spirit of God, through faith, produces a new life in the soul. This means that we believe in God, that we're depending on what God said. We're depending on Him. We're depending on His ability, not my own. In our day-to-day lives, when we fall into sin, if we believe in Jesus, we're going to look to Him and live. Just like when those people got bit by the snake, they looked to the serpent and lived. When we ourselves find that we've been bitten by the poison of sin, as a whole, we're looking to Jesus to be saved, but also in our day-to-day experience, when we find ourselves out of harmony with God's will, we're looking to Him. We're turning back to Him in prayer. Lord, forgive me for what I just did. We're responding to conviction because the Holy Spirit is going to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment. And when we get convicted about the sin in our lives, we are moving, bending to the will of God. When we have experienced this new birth, we have a desire to do God's will. We wake up each day dedicating ourselves to Him for that day. We're looking to Him. We're depending upon Him. Unlike the trees that I mentioned earlier, human beings have a choice as to whether or not they're going to, be res- to respond to be moved by the Spirit of God or not. The trees have no choice. We can respond or not. And whenever we see someone desiring to do God's will, that means they're operating based on, the, they're oper- they've experienced that desire. If you're experiencing that desire, that means you have had this new birth experience if you want to do God's will. Human beings don't naturally want to do that. Human beings, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, that there is this this hatred between God. It says, the Bible says that the carnal mind hates God and is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And so in order for us to experience the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we have to receive Him as our Savior. We have to be looking to Him. We can either choose to yield to this influence or not. Those who believe in Jesus live as if He exists. They pray to Him as if He exists. It's an action. They confess their sins and believe that he cleanses them of all unrighteousness because he said that he would. It's this ongoing, abiding relationship. If you have a desire to do God's will, you have experienced a rebirth experience because human beings in and out of ourselves, we do not have that desire. We're in a lost situation. So if you desire, 
If you have a desire to do God's will, if you have a desire to be in his kingdom, you've experienced that on some level, and you need only to respond to what the Spirit of God is doing in your life. You need to respond to what the Word of God is asking us to do. Let's keep reading. I'm on verse 18. Let's continue to look at what Jesus is giving us a nice kind of summary, overview. There's a better one, actually. They're not, I don't want to say a better one. But there's a nice progression in Matthew chapter 5. I kind of wish I had highlighted that. We'll do that sermon another time. There is a progression, though, that those who receive Christ and who believe in him, this ongoing action in their lives of depending on him. The Bible says in Matthew 5 that they hunger and thirst for righteousness. The Bible says that they, um, let, let me just read it. It's been a while since I went through there. You don't, just stay there in John. I'm coming right back. I'm just going to highlight a couple of things. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. The Bible says that they are merciful because that's the Spirit of God. God is merciful. They're pure in heart. They are the peacemakers. They exude peace in troublesome times. They exude the Spirit of peace because they have the Spirit of God. They exude mercy for those around them because they have the Spirit of God. It's a natural progression. So when the world is falling apart around them, they're not up in arms going crazy like the world around them. They're exuding peace. They are peacemakers. They are peace givers because they have Christ. He's the source. That's what we have to get, make sure that our connection is sure. A lot of times when we see that the fruit is bad in our life or bad in the lives of the people around us, we want to fix the fruit But in reality, Jesus says it's the connection to the vine that is bad. He says, if you're connected to me, you'll bear much fruit. If my word abides in you, you'll bear much fruit. If you're you're connected to me as a branch to the vine, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But with me, you can do all things. So if we're connected to him as we're supposed to be, he says, we will bear much fruit. And these are all fruits of the spirit that I'm discussing in Matthew chapter 5. Let's continue on. Here's... Further, here's, a, here's more evidence of this life transformation in you. Matthew, or sorry, back in John, John 18. Listen to what he, he, he says that these people do. He says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. These are people, the natural human being in our natural carnal selves. When we do something wrong, we don't want to be found out. 
We see it all the time. You see it in small children. You see it, you could compare them to small children. You see it in politicians. You see it in whoever. When people do something wrong, we do whatever we can to cover it, right? We're covering it up. And so when Jesus is coming as the light of the world, he's the way, the truth, and the life, and these people are feeling convicted about their sins when they're in his presence, he says they run, the average human being, the carnal human being, is running away from that. He said they run away lest their deeds be exposed. However, a person who has experienced this new birth that he's talking about in this conversation, he says they come to the light. He says, he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God, because God is the source of the power in their lives. Uh, A quote that I, I share all the time, Christ is the source of every right impulse. So whatever good thing that I have done, ever done in my life, is because Christ prompted me to do so first and I yielded to that impulse. Christ is the source. The light shows us defects. It shows us our problems and spiritually. shows us our problems spiritually. The Word of God, the convicting power of this Holy Spirit, our lives, I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting my words jumbled here. Jesus came to show us the way. God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light into our path. He is the word made flesh. So he is that light. He's the word of God made flesh. And the Holy Spirit is convicting us of the things in the word of God. He wants us to be in harmony with him. That's what the law is doing is it's showing us who we are. By nature, we don't bring ourselves and our problems and expose them. That's not what we do. But he said those who have experienced this transformational power of Jesus Christ, they're coming to him. Not only so that their deeds may be seen and that they were done in God, but also they want to know what the problem is. Lord, I've got this issue. I need you to help me with it. They're coming to him not only for that. Think of what David said. I can't remember what psalm it is. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Those who have the Spirit of God are coming to him saying, Lord, show me the things in my life that are not in harmony with you. Show me where I am out of line with you. So convict me of those things and help me to overcome those things. Because they want to have this ongoing Resting in Christ's relationship. It's a dependence on Him. They're coming to God for cleansing. It's kind of like um, they're coming so that their, their deeds are, they're, they're giving God the glory for whatever good deeds they're doing, but they're also coming for that cleansing, that, that conviction that David is pleading for. Lord, search me. Try me. 
Know me. Where, show me where I am out of harmony with you. Help me to be more like you. I don't want anything between you and I. So please give me the strength that I need. Give me the, the power to overcome that I need. That's his heart's desire. He's also, he says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Yea, your law is written within my heart. Only a converted person can say that. Because the carnal mind hates the law of God. But the transformed spiritual mind wants to do God's will. And the gospel produces righteousness in a human life. It's not the other way around. It's not that we're trying to earn God's favor or trying to earn God's merit to, for salvation. It is when we receive the free gift at whatever level we are, whenever we receive the free gift of salvation, whenever we believe in Jesus and we accept him as our Savior, the gospel, the Holy Spirit in us produces righteousness. It's not the other way around where we're trying to earn God's favor or earn his merit. He's, it's, he's already paid the price for us. We need only to receive the gift. And the blessing of that gift is the Holy Spirit coming into our lives and transforming us into his image. That is God's, this is how he's dealing with this sin problem. He's trying to bring us back into harmony with himself. God wants the law to be written on our hearts. He wants that, that transformation, this new birth experience. And Paul says that whoever is in Christ is a new creation. It's a new person. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This desire to come to the light according to 18 and 19 and 20 and 21 is evidence of the Spirit of God working in your life. I don't want anyone to walk away feeling like discouraged. It is, it is this dependence, this accepting of this gift is just a prayer away. Lord, I want to be in your kingdom. Lord, Help me to be a representative of your kingdom. Lord, I want to exhibit your fruit in my life. Lord, I want the abundant life that you said you came to give to us. It's just a prayer away. I don't want it to make it seem as if it's a difficult thing. This transformational process, this new birth experience, is available to all who want it. But it is a spiritual thing. I'm, I am merely emphasizing that point because Jesus emphasized it. And he said about this transformation or this spiritual new birth, he said, he said, he said the Father is more willing to give of his spirit to you so that you can have that experience than we are to give good gifts to our children. God is waiting, eagerly waiting, for all those who want to experience that. We need only to believe. To believe is a verb. 
It's an action word. Belief in Jesus results in a changed life. We need only to go to Him in prayer and ask Him to work out His will in our lives. And we need to respond when the Holy Spirit convicts us. As we read the Bible and the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, we yield to His power and influence. If there's conviction there, there's power there. He says with every temptation, He's made a way of escape. So if there is conviction there, there's power there to overcome. There's a way of escape. The power is there. We have to make a decision and pray, Lord, help me to follow through. We're coming to the light. Those who have experienced this are coming to the light, which means we're coming to God and saying, Lord, search me, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. These are just incidences of of incidences in the Bible where we're seeing this power at work in a person's life. We see it oftentimes in the life of David. We see it in the lives of the prophets. We see also in those same lives, we see mistakes. We see their mistakes as well. David also made mistakes. But he knew his God and he knew that he was abundant in mercy and he was he was. He wanted to pardon. He was willing to pardon. He was willing to forgive. This believe, to believe results in some sort of action because when you believe and you receive Christ in your life, the, it, it, it inevitably works out His works in your life. How many believe in Jesus? You profess to believe in Jesus, right? Or how many want to believe in Jesus? Maybe I'll put it that way. Then I'll see every single hand. We want to, and we want to experience all that he has for us. I don't need to tell you the condition of the world. You all see it on the headlines. You see the, the, the chaos going on around the world. Jesus wants us to have his spirit in the midst of the chaos. He wants us to have peace in the midst of the chaos. He wants us to have the same God-like bearing that he had at his own trial through the midst of the chaos. He didn't respond he just merely, we, we just want to, Paul says, he says, bring all your anxieties to God and in turn he will give you his peace. If you're feeling anxious about the state of the world, give your anxieties to God and he will give you his peace. Are you depending on Jesus? So we've all agreed we, we want to believe in Jesus. We want to experience this transformation that he has for us. Are you spending time with Him daily? Are you depending on Him alone for your salvation? Are you coming to the light for conviction of sin? Are you pleading for God to to search you? Or are you running away when conviction comes? Conviction doesn't feel good, but it is good. And I'm just begging of you, in your, our human mind, we may want to run away from these things. If you find out yourself falling short, 
turn back to the source. If you find yourself running away from the light, turn back to the source. And say, Lord, I need a transformation. I need your help. I'm failing miserably. I, all I see are the errors in my life. Lord, I need you to work in my life. I'm, de- I'm depending on you. And the Bible says that when we enter into this trusting relationship with him, he begins to do that work in us. And the Bible says that not only does he begin to do it, he will finish it. Amen. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, we desperately need you today. We need your spirit. We need you to perform this new birth, this transforming act in our lives so that we can reflect you. Lord, we, we want to be in your kingdom and we know that it's a free gift. And so, Father, we just pray that you continue to work out this process in our lives. We're so thankful that when we come to you, we're justified and that you see us through the lens of Jesus and that, yes, we fail, we fall along the way, but the Bible says that the righteous man falls and he gets back up again. We're so thankful that even when we do fail and when we do fall, we're covered by your grace. We're not lost, we've merely fallen for a moment. And we're so thankful that you're so willing to pick us back up and help us continue on this road that we're on. Lord, we're so thankful for this free gift. And we just pray, dear God, that you would continue to work out your will in our lives. Help us to be a beacon of light in our sphere of influence, in our community, in our families. Lord, help us to be a reflection of who Jesus is and his desire to save. We thank you so much. And we just pray that your will would be accomplished in our lives. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.